This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Sean, and I got Brian the Killer Shiller live on the water uh, it was catching, a stick this time. Catching sticks. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just missed a monster walleye that he caught. But uh, um, while we're uh, on the road, let's get our intro playing here, and we'll catch back up with Brian here in just a sec. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. All right, guys, we're back. Welcome to the show, Brian. I mean, you've already wowed me with a one walleye catch but that's awesome man yeah i'm not trying to catch the bass for say uh <laughs> just because of the tournament tomorrow but uh um yeah i was like oh i'm gonna throw the jig and see if i get anything and then uh i didn't even measure it but i'd say it's got to be at least 26 27 inch walleye for sure yeah on a jig on the bottom that's crazy and it's crazy, too, because there's another lake close to home here right over the border in Wisconsin. And I remember last year we were up there and I caught a couple Walters on the same Kitek finesse jig. It's weird. Like, and actually the biggest one I've ever caught out of this lake was on a jig with a Uncle Josh's pork rind trailer. Um, it was a Memorial Day and uh, I was with my son and I think that one went like just shy of seven seven pounds it was, wow. it was pretty chunky that's awesome so yeah cool man well i i think i'm gonna have to make a trip out and see you sometime because that looks like I a keep lot telling of fun. you guys i keep <laughs> telling you guys anytime you guys want to come so uh guys for uh you guys listening tonight um brian is actually out pre-fishing for a, a tournament so i figured um he was kind enough to you know, hop on live from the water and uh, kind of let give us some insights into how he approaches pre-fishing, you know, kind of what, what why he pre-fishes, you know, and then uh, kind of what he's looking for and also what he's avoiding. Because like he said, he's trying not to catch all the fish on these spots as much, um, just kind of trying to find them. So um, is that pretty much sum up uh, kind of what you're doing right now? You're just looking for spots to mark? Yeah, I'm just uh, kind of, you know, obviously this is my home lake. It's the neighborhood tournament uh, that we fish in every year. And, uh, you know, basically I'm going to all my spots. Um, 
I'm trying not to catch fish. I just want to check and make sure they're there. Um, and occasionally, like, I will hook one. And and I this applies to either boat or kayak, in my opinion. Um, you know, fish hang out in same weight, size classes, so to speak. So sometimes it's good to catch one because, you know, you can feel a bite, right? Be like, oh, there's a fish here. But it could be a whole school of one pounders, you know what I right. mean? Right. And and like we were just talking before this started, like last year I think I think we took fourth. It was either third or fourth, right? And right. um you know, we had our spots and they were producing like some good, you know, three, three and a half pound fish, um, because it was a boat tournament. Um, but, uh, sorry, I'm hung up in a tree right now <laughs> with my jig that I just so delightfully caught a walleye on. Um, but, uh, you know, you always want to check, you know, you can mark fish, whatever, but you still want to check and see like what size class of fish are there. Right. And, you know, we got plenty of three, three and a half pound bass in this lake. So it's, uh it's kind of crucial to find those bigger four to five pound fish, you know, if you want to win, so to speak. Right. Right. Well, like you said, last year, it would have uh, made a difference. You probably would have placed pretty high if you got yeah. that one big fish. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, you know, we, uh, I think our big fish went like three fifteen or something, three fourteen, somewhere around there. Whereas big fish was, my memory serves me correct it was like four pounds four ounces or something okay. so i mean we were literally ounces away from winning big bass but you know the the weights were so close at the top you know that four ounce difference could have meant getting paid you know yeah um and it's it's been my same experience in the in the kayak as well and um you know, I'll go out, I'll check and you know, when I'm in the kayak, I like to catch sometimes two just to make sure they're all kind of in that same range. Um, but you try not to beat up spots, you know, like I had a, a, a tournament up on, uh, the Mississippi, it was a KBF tournament. And I found this spot that was holding, I caught in back to back cast. I caught uh, 18 and a half and a 19 and a half inch smallmouth. Wow. And I was like, this is where I'm going. So then I left that spot alone. Find out later, another guy who I know here locally went and like fished the crap out of that spot. So come tournament day, there was only like small fish left in there. And granted it's a river system and fish will move in and out of spots and things like that. But I mean, you know, it's one of those things, a spot gets beat up, it's not going to produce like it should, so to speak. So right. I try, I try not to beat, beat up spots. Um, and I'm mainly just kind of coming out, marking spots and not only that, but like, so what I'm focusing on right now is we got a lot of underwater structure, uh, trees, rock piles, things like that old gravel road. And, uh, I'm just going through kind of marking that stuff. And then I'm also marking spots where, you know, with the boat, we use spot lock kayak. You could do the same thing. If you got an XI three, you know, I'm marking spots where I can cast and pick apart all that stuff. So that way I'm not coming up on my spot and just blowing out whatever cover I'm trying to fish, you know? No, that makes so sense. That's something I do too. Um, like here, I could probably do this for you. Let me um, see if I could switch this camera angle around. And I could show you on the graph what I'm talking about. Okay. So let me zoom out here.
hummingbird units. <laughs> so, so I was going to ask how deep see, you were fishing there. So yeah, I can see. So this is the waypoint, right? That's where the right. tree is. Mm -hmm. And then you could see over here, that waypoint I marked it cast, you know, like I try to do some kind of abbreviation of cast. Okay. Um, so that way I know like, Hey, I'm, I'm back far enough. This is where I caught them casting up to that pile. So that way, like, you know, especially in the morning hours, um, you know, you're heading to your spot and you're not rolling over it and blowing it out, so to speak. So no, that's just kind of something stupid that I do, you know? Um, I'm not saying like that's the absolute right thing to do, but, um, yeah, it's just something that I've done that, uh, definitely helps me out as far as like being prepared, you know, cause there's nothing worse than like scrambling around trying to hover and find your spot and then going over it, blowing it out, you know, first thing in the morning before you even make a cast. So right. just, just something like a little little tidbit that i do just to kind of kind of be prepared so to speak no that makes sense uh what do you use to you just use the two spots then to to get your lineup like how do you know when you're sitting on your cast spot what direction to cast um because i know like on my kayak when i if i mark a spot i'm not always uh, i don't have the the puck the like the one that constantly yeah. updates your direction so it, it sometimes is tough for me to know even when i if i know i'm not right on a spot which direction it is to cast to. So that's, that's a great point. So when, when you saw that waypoint, right, it said C A S T D. So the D stands for dam. So our lakes dam is back this way. So when I'm on that spot, I put the D so I knew to cast towards the dam. Oh, that's, so, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I've done that before. I mean, obviously on the boat, we got the puck, so I kind of know what direction we're heading, so to speak, but the puck isn't linked to this hummingbird unit. So like, but it is linked to uh, our Garmin unit behind the dash. So, um, you know, that's, that's one way of uh, like, I'll know as I'm rolling up to it, then I'll turn off the motor and I'll hop up there. You know, on the kayak, you know, generally, you know, in the morning, you can see which way you're heading. And, you know, I always try to make a mental reference like, okay, I was like between this house over here and this house on the opposite shore, so to speak. Uh, it, try to find like reference points on the shore. Sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do when you're fishing offshore. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's it's something that I've done that, you know, kind of works. No, that's that's a smart idea. Just including a little either a letter or something that you know just at a glance. Oh, oh yeah, I want to cast in this direction if I'm sitting on this spot. So, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And Sorry, then most of the time, I, I know uh, I started messing around with the cast rings on my my unit, and I found okay. that was helpful too. Because if on on some hum or uh, some units you can turn on casting rings. So I can put like a ring out at 50 yards and then a ring out at hundred yards. And if I know my average cast is 75 yards, then I know if I put that spot right in between two rings, then I know I'm approximately one cast away and can, can kind of try and hit it that way too. Uh, I found that to be somewhat helpful. Um, I need to I, do that. I've never done that. And I need to do that. That sounds like it'd be totally helpful. Yeah, no, it's just something I, I mean, I still struggle offshore big time, but um at least I've, I'm starting to learn, you know, little tricks like that. And then I, but, but like I said, the challenge for me is still the direction. So, I mean, I, I think if I would put a couple waypoints on the, on the map, maybe one after it and one mm -hmm. before it, and then I can line those up and know that I'm at least in between, you know, I want to cast in between. In range. Yeah. 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 So no, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I like to do that. Like, um, I mean, the, two what i checked two three other spots before that like you know i'll still because obviously the tournament's not tonight it's tomorrow so you know i'll still roll over that spot mark exactly where that tree rock pile whatever it may be is mm -hmm. and then um and then yeah i'll i'll kind of do the same thing you're talking about i'll mark a spot where i know i'll go cast to it I'll be able to feel the tree so I know where it is and then kind of have a sense 
of direction, so to speak. Right. And I noticed uh, you're using side imaging there. Is that that's what you use to locate the the structure, and then you just drop a waypoint right on top of it? Yeah, I like to use like right now, like in the front, I got the map, and uh, so I could edit waypoints as I set them, and then um, and I got a lot of these waypoints already set. I'm just kind of going through and double checking them just because it's been a while since I've actually like relied on them, but. Um, uh, I like side scan because, yeah, then I can see the structure. I usually keep it at uh, 75 feet out on each side. Um, so that way, as the motor's kind of spinning around, because the transducer for this unit's on the actual head of the trolling motor. So it's kind of goofy um, because it's not set, but it's kind of nice because you almost get that 360 scan right. as the motor's moving around, spot locking you, so to speak. Um but yeah, that way I can kind of keep an eye on, you know, exactly where structure or whatever I'm targeting is, so to speak. Gotcha. I usually keep down scan on too, but because I'm toying with the maps a little bit, I got that on there instead of down scan. Usually I like, like on, on my kayak, I always run uh, map, side scan and down scan. No, or makes I'll, sense. I'll sometimes swap the down scan out with like the dual um, traditional sonar. Yeah. And yeah. then two different Hertz, you know? Gotcha. But yeah, I'm always utilizing. Uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, side scan per se, just because you could see things all around you as you're kind of cruising along. And especially too, like in a pre-fishing setting in the kayak, like if I'm going to a spot that I know I want to fish, I have that on and I'm watching that. And usually I'll, you know, I got the eco maps. I'll just touch the screen and blow up the side scan as I'm going along. And then I'll occasionally back out of it so I can see where I'm at on the map. Oh, dude, I need to pay attention. Um, <laughs> so uh, that way, as I'm going along, I can, um, you know, mark stuff or check stuff. Like I've had it in the past where, you know, you're on some foreign body of water you've never been on. You're going out to check a spot that you saw on, you know, Navionics or whatever, Google Earth. And, uh, you're cruising along and then all of a sudden you see a rock pile and it looks like there's a bunch of fish stacked on it or, you know, um, like a ditch that you think might hold fish, you know? So right. it's one of those things like you, you almost want to be observant the whole time you're going to and from your spots. That's the beauty of a kayak, right? Because in a boat, when you're cruising along that side scan, depending on how fast you're going, isn't necessarily working. Right. So like that's, that's huge for us kayak guys. We see all that little stuff that those boat guys are missing because they're zooming from spot to spot. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, I, although, although I've heard, you know, I've, I've fallen into the trap before where I'm totally watching my screen way more than I'm fishing it. You know, I, I kind of fall into that trap at times too. So, but uh, that definitely makes sense when you're just out there looking for spots, you know, to, to keep your eyes open and kind of run that yeah. even when you're going from spot to spot. So, cause you never know when you, like you said, you're all over even just a little ditch that, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to roll right over and not notice. Yeah. But if you're, if you're kind of just slowly cruising to your next spot and you happen to see that and then uh, mark it, you know, who knows? I mean, those tiny little differences. Well, are, and that's are a, the, no, totally agree. 100%. And that's the other thing too, right? Like, Navionics is accurate maybe 40% of the time. Right. You know, like it, it, like, you know, I've had a few people reach out to me recently just getting into fishing. A uh, good friend of mine just bought a boat and he's like, Yeah, I bought this hummingbird unit. Like, is this good? Like, how do I read it? This and that. And I'm like, 
oh boy, you got a piece of <laughs> pad of paper and a pen. Like, uh, welcome to Uncle Brian's class of electronics 101, right? And right. I'm not the best guy for electronics, um, but, um, you know, it's it's one of those tools that keeps getting better and better, especially with, like, pan optics, live scope, uh, live view, Hummingbird 360, all that crap. But um, it's a tool that we can utilize going from spot to spot, and especially pre-fishing. You know, it's one of those things like I've had instances where I've found like these subtle little grass humps. Right. And, um, you know, it holds fish out offshore, you know, and I found it because I was cruising from one shore to the other, you know, and you would have never seen it on Navionics or whatever um, app or whatever you're using. Um, So that's that's kind of a huge thing. And then the other thing that I utilize too. And I've talked about this numerous times. Like I know the Garmin units, you could do it. Cause that's what I got. I, I'm not a hundred percent if hummingbird does it, but I know Lawrence does it um, where you can remap a lake. Mm-hmm. So like you get your, your unit out of the box and like Garmin, it's pretty much got the Navionics maps. Right. So anytime I'm on a body of water, um, I'm remapping the lake. And that'll show you these points that you never knew were there. Like I've basically remapped this whole lake, which has taken me a while. It's a 288 acre lake, but I've found points, humps, like subtle little things that I would have never known were out here had I not done that, you know? Right. No, um, that makes so, a lot. What's that feature called on Garmin? I, cause I, I have the 93 uh, SV, so I know I, I was curious about turning that on. Yeah, so I know you got to have um, like the chip in it, right? So here, let's let's go back here. Let me flip my camera around again, because I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. Like uh, the Navionics app, I use from time to time, but like for my section of the river, it just shows it as one depth the whole way across, and it is so not that. You know what I mean? There are so many little variations in it, but for a huge chunk of the river by me, it shows you just just everything is one flat depth. And I'm like, it's yeah. not like that at all. It's crazy. So you could see like this section up here. Right. I haven't remapped. This has all been remapped. So when you're on the Garmin unit, you just go to menu mm-hmm. here. Let me fix this. All right. So you go to menu mm-hmm. and you go to fish chart menu. Mm-hmm. Quick draw contours is what it's called. And then you hit start recording. So you do that, right? You see the little red dot, you back out. So when you get back to the maps, you see where your boat is on your Mm -hmm. maps. It's got that green dot. So that's what the area it's mapping, right? So, I mean, when I zoom in, I mean, that's a a pretty significant amount of area when you look at it. Right. So... And you can see here too, like, all right, so I got log, where'd it go? Uh, log four there. So this waypoint here is usually what I'm casting from there to there. Okay. And there's there's a brush pile on these, like between these two points. So I'll mark both sides of the brush pile, like we were talking, and then I got a point of reference. And then look, I got another tree marked up here. I've been playing with the symbols lately. So I got palm trees for trees now. (laughs) Um, But uh, dude, that has been uh, a huge um, feature to, um, to use, especially like when you're on a new lake, like I said, like Navionics will give you a general idea, but you'll find all these subtle differences, you know, as you're going along, um, you know, remapping the lake and it may be points that you go back and like, I know like in the past when I've been pre-fishing for kayak tournaments, I'll go back at night after I'm done re-rigging my stuff. I'll turn my graph on. I'll look at what I mapped over and see if I missed something. You know what I mean? Like, Hmm, there was a little point back here and there was fish kind of in that area maybe I should go back and fish that and things like that and really breaking it down, so to speak. Um, so it's, it's kind of a cool little feature. Um, 
that I like to use as I'm going along. Okay. Cool. So that logs over there. Oh. Now I know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> covered up. Um, I but, was going to uh, ask you too. Um, do you generally throw the same baits you're planning on throwing the day of when you're when you're searching around, or do you mix it up a little? Uh, um. So, like, I'll have a main bait that I'm going to throw um, that I know I'm going to throw, and I'll make sure I get bit on it at least once to make sure they're still chomping on it, and then um, I'll I'll play around with some other baits like, you know, back there. Before we started, I just caught a five pounder, which I didn't want to hook him. Like he tried to pull it out of his mouth and he decided to come and eat it again. <laughs> um, so then I picked up the jig, right? Cause I was throwing a shaky head when I caught that. So then I picked up the jig, threw that out. And then I caught that walleye, you know? So it was just like, walleyes don't count in bass tournaments, but you know, you always want to see like, right walleyes and bass are pretty much eating the same things in most lakes you know so you know they're gonna kind of chew on both um that was an awesome cast but uh you know it, it's nice to be able to have two three four baits that you could fish that um you know, if one's not working, okay, you don't have to abandon an area. You can just try a different bait. Maybe they're foraging on something else different that day, you know? Right, right. So, yeah, to, to I mean, I know that was a long-winded answer to your question, but, yeah, like, I'll try a couple different baits. Like, you know, like I said, I got Shaky Head. I got a Ned Rig. I got the Jig. Uh, I got a Nico Rig. Uh, I got a Pegged Creature Bait. What else do I got? I said Nico rig, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I got a few different things that like I'll throw and that's all stuff that I've had experience with out here that I know they'll eat. So I got it pretty much tied up, ready to roll. Gotcha. Yep. I don't know. What and that then, uh, uh, are you, uh, I know obviously you have your points marked and it looks like you're in, in not super deep water, but deeper water. You're definitely not bank beating there. So. Yeah, so where we started, I was, um, there's a big hump that comes up. And on the top and around the edges of the hump, um, there's there's brush piles. So the top of the hump is like 14 and a half, 15 feet, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Dude, someone just stole my worm, bro, off my shaky head. <laughs> like, what the heck? I just got robbed. Um so I shifted out and I was actually in like 18, 19 foot of water casting up towards the top of the hump and then dragging it down. Plus, down across the ledge. Okay. yeah, and I'm working it through those other trees that are scattered on the side of the hump. Um, so, um, yeah, like right now I'm in, it says I'm in 16 foot, but there's like a big grass flat here. And uh, there's a log like we saw on the graph over to my left. And then there's a big grass weed edge in about 12 foot of water, 11 foot of water. So sometimes I'll hang on that grass edge by this drop off before they head out to like those deep structure spots. So I'm just kind of checking to see if there's any up here. Something's obviously up here because it just like literally ripped my shaky head worm off my <laughs> So, well, while we're talking about shaky heads, um, that's that's um, one technique uh, I know. Um, oh, Ethan Jett, who just took second in the uh, the Hobie event down in Chickamauga, he was my guest, uh, one of the first guests I had on that talked about shaky head, and he he throws that a lot. And um, I know that's another uh, something I hear you talk about it quite a bit too. Um, you have a lot of confidence in it, seems like. Yeah, see, like, I never used to throw it, and, uh, you know, I used to run the road with old Sam Jones, and uh, he would throw it all the time, and he was catching fish, and on, like, catching multiple fish on days, I was struggling to fill a limit, and 
I'm like, dude, what the hell is it with this shaky head thing? You know, like, and a lot of people think you like cast it out and like just shake your rod, you know, because of the name shaky head, which isn't the case at all. But, um, you know, is one technique that, uh, I think it was like two years ago, maybe three now, um, that, you know, I wanted to learn and really dive into. So like, again, we're on my home lake and I do a lot of experimenting out here that I try to transfer into, you know, other areas of the country. But, um, you know, I kind of talked to Sam a little bit and I'm like, dude, like, what am I doing with this thing? And he's like, drag it like a Ned rig. And then I remember I was doing some live streams back when I was like on the blue sky and uh, I would live stream when I was out here fishing and, you know, I figured out how to kind of fish this shaky head and, uh, and then people were giving me tips and pointers on it. So I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll, I was trying them while I was on the live stream to see if they'd work. So I've kind of like developed a number of different things, but um, my favorite shaky head hook is this owner. Uh, let's see, where's the camera on here? It's right here. So can you see that? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of got that flat bottom, but it is a little bit rounded. So it pulls through rocks really good. What? There we go. Getting hung up with grass. Um, it's got a screw lock head. Um, this one I think is a three sixteenths. I got quarter ounce in here and I'll sometimes throw like the three thirty seconds. So like, I know that was one thing Ethan was saying a lot was that he, he goes a lot lighter than most people do. He said, that's one thing that he thinks a lot of people mix up with the uh, shaky head is that they go too heavy. And he, he's, he was a proponent of going as late as you can. I, I totally agree with that. Right. Like, Obviously, you want to bump the weight up when you get out into, like, some of that deeper water, so to speak, um, just so you get down to the bottom faster. Right. But when you think about it, right, like, and this applies to any plastic and weight thing, you know. So if you got a lighter weight, when you go to drag it's not that big of a difference it is going to pull it up off the bottom if it's a lighter weight and this tail is going to be back here wagging right let me move closer and this thing's almost going to swim but what i like to do is hop right so this thing's sticking up like this the tail is back here wagging in the air saying come eat me come eat me right but it, it's almost like a a texas rig senko right or a, a wacky rig like I very rarely ever use like a weighted hook or have some kind of weight on there because you're taken away from that action with the lighter baits. This is popping up and then coming down and this tail. It's given this tail more time to flail and wag as it's coming down versus dunk, dunk, dunk. Like sometimes that subtler action makes all the difference in the world. Like, I've fished with Jay, right? Obviously, I've fished with him a ton. And he'll throw like a weighted Senko, and I'll throw a Texas rig, and I'll get bit 10 times more than he will because that action's different, and it's not falling as fast, if that makes sense. No, that does um, make sense. So, like, 3.30 seconds is good. Um, is like, one of my go-tos between 3.30 seconds and 3.16 are, like, my two go-tos quarter is when i'm fishing like 20 feet or more because it just gets to the bottom better and you're still getting a little bit of flail in there um or when you're fishing around thick brush so that way you can feel every branch almost but on the flip side of that when you got the heavier weight you're more prone to get stuck so that's why i always go with this 3 16ths um because that's going to pull through the wood a lot easier rather than having so much weight it's just getting hung up behind a branch so like when right. i'm casting it right into like brush piles i'll cast out 
watch my line, let it sink all the way to the bottom. And then um, let's see if I can get this. This is going to be weird, like fishing all high like this. <laughs> but I'll let it get to the bottom, right? And I'll just do these swat subtle twitches like this. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'll mix it in with like just a straight pull. Let it sit. Reel in the slack. Twitch, twitch, twitch. Reel in a little slack. Let it sit. Twitch, twitch, twitch. And a lot of times they're either A, hitting it on the twitch, or when you're reeling in the slack and you go to twitch it again, it's going to feel heavy and just lay into it. And, like, that's a thing, too. Like, I've had, my, like, my, my son and my wife and my daughter out here, and I'll hook them up with a shaky head. It's pretty easy to fish. And I'm like, if it feels heavy, lay into it. And they're like, well, what if it's a tree? And I'm like, so what? It's a tree. You know right. what I mean? But yep. if it's a fish and you're not laying into it, you're going to lose that fish. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Like, it, it's a real subtle. Because, like, uh, all right, so... I had some folks out here, I think it was last weekend, right? Uh, a dad and two sons. And we were fishing Texas rig Senkos at first. And the kid was like doing these like long, like poles. And I'm like, no, dude, like you're, you're ripping that past the fish. And it's the same concept with the shaky head. It's a subtle, subtle little movement um, that's enticing a bite. And, you know, especially like I've had it when they don't want to bite and that little mm -hmm. subtleness will entice them enough to eat. Whereas like a fast moving bait or something like that, or something that's got a ton of action, like a Kai tech or something like that, just, just doesn't do it for them. So, mm -hmm. you know, shaky heads considered finesse fishing. Granted, you can power fish a, a shaky head, but the subtleness is what's key and I've found um, is really good. And then when you're fishing around like tree piles, brush piles, things like that, like it's good to go through that brush pile. Remember that shaky heads, that little weight, the little hook and the worm. So that'll fit down into some pockets and some brush piles. And I remember uh, having a conversation with Sam. He was fishing a lake in Indiana and he was catching fish by like literally dropping his shaky head in the center of these huge brush piles. And these fish were just way down in them and it'd be a pain to horse them out, but that's where the bigger fish were. So that subtle slim presentation and getting it down where other baits can't is a huge thing too. So, um, but as you're coming through a brush pile, right? And I remember uh, Josh Eldridge was out here and we were, we were actually fishing with jigs and shaky heads, but I was like, dude, anytime you come over a branch, like you could feel your, your uh, lure come over a branch, let it drop, let it sit for three seconds and then go to lift. And nine times out of 10, there's a fish there. Cause that lure, all right. So imagine my rods, the branch, right? This right. lure's coming up to it, and that weight is smacking that branch, and it's kind of moving the tree a little bit. So, you know, the tree to the bass is like his house. Well, if somebody comes banging on the side of your house, you're going to go look and see what the heck's going on. You're not going to eat the person, but you may want to shoot them or something, right? <laughs> like, but but it's, it's kind of that same concept, right? Like that structure is is you got to think of it as the fish's house and you got to get that bait in his house because eating is a way to defend his his home front right so right uh that's kind of a great analogy like i've kind of figured out um you know if the closer you get into his house the more angry he's going to get that you're near his house so to speak so no, that makes a lot of sense for sure and um, I think that's something that, you know, generally um, newer anglers kind of shy away from. They're like, oh, well, I know there's a, a log down there or, or yeah, a tree. I don't, don't want to lose the lure, right? Right, right. So um, I forget what we used to say, but it was like, if you're not losing hooks or getting hung up, you're nowhere near the fish. Is right. like the way I look at it out here. Like, and what I've learned um, from fishing this deep water structure, like, what I always suggest to guys is like, 
you know, again, I'm spoiled being where I'm at because I have this and I can go out and kind of toy around with it. But find a lake in your area that's got some of these features and go out and just fish it for a couple weeks, same way. And you'll figure it out real quick. And once you get bit, you're like, oh, okay. Like I was closer to the tree or this is what he was talking about coming over the branch, letting it drop and sit for a second. And then like, when I do that, I'll let it sit. Right. And then I'll lift slowly like this and Mm -hmm. you'll be able to tell, like, it feels like there's a, a cinder block on the end of that. And then I'll reel down and just set back into it and, uh, you know, reel in the fish. Or, like I said, a lot of times as you're hopping along, you'll feel that fish smack it. It just, you know, you'll feel you'll feel the thump in the line. Mm -hmm. So um, I do fish it on a little different gear. Like most guys fish it on a spinning rod. I was going to ask you about that. I noticed that you were fishing it on a bait caster. Yeah. So (laughs) um, I don't know what it is. I just felt like. I was had a little bit more sensitivity, not necessarily sensitivity, but a little bit more backbone uh, on the baitcaster. Like it was slightly less sensitivity than my spinning rod. Like when I throw it on the spinning rod, I'm either throwing it on the Douglas 724 LRS or the 763 X Matrix. So basically one seven, two, like a medium heavy and the other ones, uh, seven foot six medium. So the lighter <laughs> ones I'll throw on the medium, a uh, little bit heavier weights. I'll throw on the more stout. Now I've thrown the lighter ones on this same rod. This is just this Douglas seven, two, four, uh, in the casting rod, the LRS. <laughs> so this rod's got a little bit more sensitivity cause it's a little bit more flimsy because of the materials it's made out of. But it's got a lot of backbone. So fighting fish uh, on this compared to the spinning rod, like I don't have to have the drag kicked way down. Um, On the spinning rods, I'm usually running eight pound test in the um, uh, P-line floral floral clear. Mm -hmm. And then on the casting rod, I got 12 pounds. So the 12 pounds nice because it's a little bit more durable. I know I'm running through trees, bouncing around rocks, things like that. So the line's going to hold up a little bit more. Um, it's great in clear water. Obviously, I'm not worried about it in dirty water. Um, it's rigid enough. And, you know, something that I've learned, um, and this goes back to the walleye days, right? So walleye, when you're trolling like crawler harnesses right you got this worm dangling there's like a spinner blade up here and when you're trolling along a walleye will come and it'll kind of nip the tail okay and then because as this is you're trolling this is going along and this is what's key about having a lot of give in your trolling rods with walleye is like it'll be enough resistance where it won't tear the the worm but the, the fish will feel like, hey, this worm's trying to get away from me, so they'll chomp down harder. Kind of the similar concept with this, because you got a, just a slight bit of stretch in this. It's, it's a, a fluorocarbon coated mono, basically, right? So you got a little bit of stretch, but you still have the rigidity of the fluorocarbon. So it's got a little bit of stress. So as you're pulling that worm along, if a bass has just got the tail, it's almost like fishing a moderate rod with a crankbait, right? Like that rod's got to load up. It's kind of the similar concept where you got a little bit of stretch in your rod and uh, a little bit of, you know, forgiveness in your, in your actual rod. Sorry, a little bit of forgiveness in your line. It's in your line. Uh, right. Yeah. So it, it allows that fish, like if he doesn't have the whole bait, he could still chomp down on it a little bit more. So uh, just something that like I learned in the walleye world that I think carries over into the bass fishing world as well. No, that makes sense for sure. And um, I know uh, like I, when I started fishing uh, the shaky head, I was trying to figure out what all worms float versus what worms sink. And I, at first I bought a lot of Z man, but then with a screw lock head, which a lot of the shaky heads use, 
um, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> so there's a, there's a trick for that. Um, I forget who I was just having this conversation with. And they're like, yeah, the worst part about Z-Man is you can't do it on a screw lock. So what you do is you take that screw lock and uh, you take a lighter and you warm that up. And then once it gets nice and warm to where, like, you don't want to touch it, um, you take that plastic, that Z-Man plastic, and push it and screw it in as fast as you can because that heat melted up or that metal heated up is going to melt that plastic and allow you to screw in. And mm-hmm. then once it cools down, it's it almost in. acts like super glue to that screw head. No, so it's sense. actually, it's actually cool. So the worms I use 90% of the time when I'm, I'm running a shaky head is the zoom trick worms. A, they're cheap. B, they got great action. Um, actually, let me, Where's my bag of zooms? Do they actually float or do you got to keep them moving? No, they'll float a little bit. They'll float a little bit. So these are the magnums here. So this is a bad example. So on the magnums, they actually got a flat head, right? So it's easy to screw in. With the normal trick worms, where are those? Come on now. Where are you? Where? This is a bag of smaller ones. With the normal trick worms, you kind of got a tapered head, right? Right. See that there? Mm-hmm. That coming in good? Yep. So what good. I'll do is I'll count back three ribs, right? I'll squeeze it like that, bite it, and spit it in the lake. Now you got a nice flat head. Right. That, that taper, you think a fish cares about that? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Like... I bite it off. It makes your life a lot easier. I've seen guys like struggle, like I can't screw it on, bro. Like it's just the head's too small. Bite off three rings, dude. Um, It'll make your life way easier, way easier. Um, So a lot of times I'm using the zooms. Um, The ones I'm currently using out here is uh, the biz baits. What do they call these? The biz dizzies or something like that. I don't know, stickers like Dizzy Diamond. So what I look for on a shaky head, right? Usually it's thicker towards the front, slims down in the center. And then like on the biz baits, they got this. That's why they call it the Dizzy Diamond. It's got that diamond tail, which kind of helps the action in the back. Um, And it's same thing with the zoom. The zoom's kind of got a little thicker tail. So it'll sway a little bit in the water. Um, which was, is really good. Um, that's what you want. You want the action in the tail, um, slim in the middle, fatter in the front and the back. It's fatter in the front so you got to meet to hide the hook, be completely weedless. And then um, in the back, because that's what's catching the water and swaying back and forth as you're going along. I got to show you the sunset, bro. <laughs> For you guys who are listening on the podcast, you need to check out the YouTube and uh, to see some of these uh, awesome visuals, though. Man, I'm kind of jealous. Uh, it's, How's that coming through? It's dark here, but, man, that looks beautiful. Yeah, we got lucky today. It rained earlier, so. Um, but, yeah, it's it's super easy, right? So, you know, I was thinking about this earlier because we were talking like, hey, what are we going to talk about? So the cadence in which I fish the shaky head, I kind of fish a jig the same way. Okay. Uh, I kind of fish a Ned rig the same way. I kind of fish a pegged plastic the same way. Like it's all basically the same. It's just a different looking bait to the fish, you know? Right. So So, you're all, you're doing those uh, slight twitches towards you. And then every once in a while, a drag or a sweeping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and once in a while, I'll do like a big hop. You know what I mean? And it's the same, like Ned rig. I'm, I, I usually do more of a drag, but there are times when I'll hop it along. There's times where I've swam a Ned rig. Yeah. I was just going to say the hop and swim for the Ned rig is one thing that I've learned that is pretty good, especially if you know, you have some, shallower water that you're just kind of running through 
I've, I've had really good luck with that at my one local lake right by the dam. There's a huge rock pile, and that's what I do across the top of that rock pile. Is I'll just swim or hop and swim that. So I'll hop, do a pop, reel, let it drop. Yeah, pop, reel, let it drop. So I've done it. Uh, <laughs> there's a lake ten minutes from here, and uh, it's got a bunch of white bass in it. And we couldn't catch any bass that evening. It was a uh, I was out with a customer from Rocktown, and uh, I saw these white bass popping, and I'm like, dude, we got to catch these, and like. I threw like a little Kai tech didn't get bit and I picked up the Ned rig and it was like when the Ned rig was moving, they were trying to hit it. So I casted it out and I was just reeling and popping the whole way. So that thing was just doing this through the water and it must've looked like a bait fish and they were just hammering it, dude. It was so much fun. Like those white bass just fight, just fight. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you could swim it. Um, it's the same thing, like a swim jig, right? you want to cast that out and reel that in. Um, you know, there's so many different kinds of jigs. I know you've got uh, something coming up with Cody, and that was something you guys were working on. But, uh, you know, I, I almost fish the shaky head and a jig in almost the exact same cadence. The gear is a little bit different, using a little bit thicker line, a little bit heavier rod on a jig. And uh, But as far as, like, the retrieve goes, it, it's almost the same, almost okay. the same. Okay. So I, I, I know uh, Cody's going to be mad at me, but I still have yet to catch a fish on the jig. It's one of the few lures that I have no luck with. Uh, and I, uh, so that's why, you know, when, one of the, and when I put that uh, post out, just asking for ideas for show ideas, somebody said, Oh, you know, I struggle with the jig. And I was like, me too, man. I, and I know, <laughs> And it's not for lack of trying or for lack of buying. I have a, a freaking uh, three or a Plano box completely filled with Jigmaster jigs. Yeah. Um, that, and uh, but yet I, I I just I think what I need to do is only take that out and because I, I I think I bail on it too quickly at this point. Well, the Susky's real rocky, isn't it? It is. Yep. So like. That like usually when I'm jig fishing, it's usually got to be rocky for me. Like, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, I've I've skipped it around docks and I've thrown it around these brush piles and stuff like that. But uh, when uh, when I'm casting a jig around the rocks, dude, it's like almost guaranteed you're gonna get bit. <laughs> like, I'll I've have to try I'd, it. I've, I've seen one guy that all the time. I've seen one guy, one guy I went out with did, did catch fish on the jig. And I tried to do the same thing he was doing while we were fishing and he was catching them. And I wasn't, I don't, I don't know what, what, what the secret sauce was or what I was missing, but um, I, I still ch chalk it up to that's one thing. And I, like I said, I, I just need to go and throw it uh, and only take that. Um, it's interesting, right? Like uh, Jay had the same issue. And uh, when Paddle and Finn did a meetup out in Ohio, um, I was catching a bunch of fish on a jig in uh, Cowan Lake. And Jay was, I forget what he was throwing. And Jay's one of those guys, like, you could literally throw the bait into his boat that he'll catch fish on and he won't tie it on. Um, so, like, in the past, I've learned, I just hand him a rod, like, here, bro, throw this. Um, so that way he doesn't have to do anything. But we were out there and he's like, man, he's like, the jig is just something I don't fish. So I was like, all right. We're going to fish side by side. Uh, watch what I'm doing. I'll watch what you're doing. And uh, I'll kind of talk you through it. And it was like, I don't know, half hour later, he got his first jig bit, jig bite. And he was like, dude, that is so awesome. Like, that bite is so cool. You know, because we were, we were fishing over flooded timber. And he was pulling it right over the rock letting it sit and then they were hammering it on that downfall which is what they do a lot of times and he's like dude that bite is just so cool so when we fished the tournament the next day that's all we did we fished jigs side by side and um you know he caught a bunch of fish and it's just something like you got to be in the right setting i guess like know that they will bite a jig and then go out there get bit a couple times get familiar with it and it's the same thing there's a fish it's the same thing with the shaky head um you want to you want to get bit oh it's grass 
God damn it. It's the second time I've done that. Um, you want to feel that bite. You want to feel, you know, what it's like, what, the, what, how they're reacting to that bait, so to speak. And once you get the feel for that, it's like, oh, that's all I had to do. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I mean, just what I recommend to folks. But. No, that makes a lot of sense. I was, I was kind of the same way with the Ned rig at first. Cause I was so used to fishing a weighty weighted wacky rig. And I was like, I sure. can't feel this. I can't feel this. I don't know what it's doing down there, but it's just because I wasn't working it right. I was, I was hopping it way too much and it was off the bottom more than it was on the bottom. And then once I learned that, you know, that subtle drag and really got to feel it, then uh, my confidence went way up with it. And now it's, you know, one of my go-tos um, especially on the river. I, I throw that up in the little eddies and stuff right behind the, rock ledges and stuff and you know i know there's fish there and i know if i just let it if i even if i land it on the rock and just kind of drag it off the rock so it plops in it's like killer so i know it's just a matter of taking or getting that one feel for it and then once you have it you know it and that's one too like uh when i when i switched over to douglas and i was like dude i need a really good ned rod rod i was fishing the ned rig a ton and the rod i was using it was okay but it wasn't right you know what i mean it just wasn't sensitive enough and i think that's the key to the ned rig is having a super sensitive rod that way you could like you said when you're dragging it on the bottom um you can feel like every little pebble like that's right. huge like being able to feel the contact with the bottom is huge and it's almost the same with the shaky head too, right? Like being able to tell like what you're going through. Am I going through a tree? Am I going through grass? Am I hopping on rocks? You know, things like that. Like that's, that's huge too. So like, I think that's why a lot of guys love fishing the shaky head on a spinning rod compared to a, a casting rod. And there's no right or wrong way. Right. Um, this right. is just my personal preference. Like this rod that I'm using this is like a great all around rod. Like I could fish so many different techniques on it, but it's, it's got, uh, enough sensitivity where I could feel what I'm dragging through. But again, I know what I'm expecting to feel. So what I would suggest, if you wanted to fish it on a casting rod, fish it on a sensitive spinning rod first. So you know what grass feels like, you know, what wood feels like, you know, what rock feels like and all the above and then transfer over that so you can kind of decipher what these different feelings are as you're retrieving your worm no that makes a lot of sense for sure so and, and here's something we ha haven't talked about and a lot of guys don't talk about you don't have to just use a trick worm or some kind of shaky head worm on a shaky head a lot of guys are putting creature baits on there <laughs> crawfish patterns things like that uh i've even seen somebody throw a kitek on a shaky head and drag it across the bottom huh. you know it replicates a bait fish eating crap out of the rocks or or the grass or whatever there you could put whatever you want on this little hook this little hook doesn't say you can only put a worm on me there is no rule <laughs> to that so um be conscious of that too like in a rocky situation like we were talking about right like maybe they don't want that big profile of the jig you throw uh like a three inch berkeley chigger craw on this money 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 and it's something that a lot of people don't think of they you know they instantly think shaky head and they think a worm so to right speak. right so just awesome. a suggestion just wanted no. to throw that out there good stuff man well all right brother hey we're, we're getting on close to an hour i can see the sun's going down on you there uh so yeah yeah, figured, no worries, man. Sorry, I, I wasn't fishing as much as I should have been to try catching one <laughs> on the stream here, but... Uh, well, why don't you show the folks, can you show the folks your live well? Oh, yeah. Let me just grab the fish, bro. Hold <laughs> on, hold on. Yeah. Get this guy out here. Stop. <laughs> I know, it's, I know. He's a little camera shy. It's all good. He's just he's a little live well shy. He doesn't want to come out and play. Oh, now he got me all wet. 
<laughs> Come on. Come on. There we go. Alright. Ready? Yeah, yeah, let's see it. Look at that. It's like too heavy for it to lift up. Boom. Look at those teeth, bro. Yeah. It's been chomping on the jig a little bit. I mean, uh, I don't have a catch board in here, but I got a measuring stick on the net. He is like 25 and a half. Nice. 25 and a half. That's awesome, man. Of tasty, flaky white meat. <laughs> so, let me drop him back in. Yep. But, um, yeah, man. Cool stuff. Uh, if anybody's got any questions, like, feel free to reach out. Uh, more than happy to help. And uh, give some people some pointers and things like that. Um you know, pre-fishing, like like we said at the beginning, you're more just checking spots, making sure fish are there. So when you go there, you know, the next day or tournament day, you know, you know what to look for. And um, just be conscious that same size fish roam together. So if you caught a bunch of 12s or caught a 12 in a spot, you may not go there and win big fish. You know, which I've had tournaments before. I lost out on a check because I couldn't catch one 12 inch fish. So it's still good to know where those fish are. But, right. you know, go through, check your spots. Don't overfish them. Try not to hook them. Make sure they're there. Um, utilize your electronics. That has been one of the biggest things that has helped me out through uh, my whole fishing career, as far as tournaments go, is just utilizing my electronics and my maps and, uh, you know, use all those features. They're there for a reason. Uh, they don't just put them in there because they're like, ha, we're just going to mess with these guys and make them play <laughs> with stupid stuff, you know? Right. Um, it can make or break your tournament day. So, um, yeah, definitely utilize your electronics as much as possible. Awesome. All right, well, well hey, uh, do you have any sponsors or anybody you want to shout out while you're uh, in the spotlight? <laughs> I want I want to shout out you, man. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, dude, the Noob Show is always crushing it. Uh, shout out to all the listeners. Thanks, everybody that tunes in every week. Uh, everybody knows who I work with. But, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on dude and uh appreciate the listeners and again uh feel free to reach out to me if you guys got any questions uh with today's technology i can't hide anywhere so you can find me <laughs> awesome yeah all right man well thanks again um guys thanks for uh tuning in and checking us out again this week on best fishing for noobs for those of you guys in the noobs tournament keep rocking it um and keep on uh, keep on visiting the the noobs tournament and the noobs group on the Facebook, um, the Paddle and Fin noobs group. Uh, great commentary in there. And I love how you guys have each other's backs and are always helping and, and complimenting yeah. each other. So that's awesome. It helps the camaraderie of our sport. So keep up the good work. Yeah. It's been super cool to see everybody like pushing everybody in there, you know, and uh, nothing but positive vibes, dude. It's good. I like it, man. Keep up the good work, everybody. And, uh, I've seen some good fish come come through too. Somebody had a cracked mouth. I'm just saying. Sean. <laughs> may, may, might have been me. <laughs> but I did have one with a jacked up nose that uh, totally was uh, uh, might have sure. been messing with that a little bit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> He's gonna no. get cold anyway. So yeah. No, it's good, man. It's good. Uh, it's it's good to see like uh, new people coming in the sport and really having a good time and being treated the right way and um, you know being encouraged by others. You know. Uh, it doesn't matter your skill level. Just the fact that you guys are out on the water having fun, that's all that matters, man. Absolutely. So. Yep. All right, guys. Well, again, uh, thanks for tuning in. This has been Bass Fishing for Noobs, where we teach you the tricks, the tips. Uh, oh, I messed that up. Where we bring you the techniques, <laughs> the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Have a good night, guys. Thanks, Brian, man. Yeah, see you guys. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. 
be sure to drop a five-star rating a thumbs up or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on be sure to check us out on waypoint tv waypointtv.com make sure you sign up for the fantasy kayak fishing league at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy you could support this show through patreon patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com catch us on youtube if you got a question comment or want to see a future guest on the show be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com shout out to our show supporters yak gadget you can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina. The beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.